Hello, this is another edition of Radio Level 5 in conversation with, and today I'll be speaking with Milena Des. My name is Eitan Efrat. I hope you enjoy. So, hello, Milena. Hi, Eitan. <laughs> I'm in Brussels in my kids' room, and you're in France. Yes, I'm in right? Toulouse in a kids' room as well. <laughs> okay, great. Um, we thought to speak about many things, but then... I rewatched the final version of your recent film titled "The Sun and the Looking Glass," and um, yeah, I'm can't wait to speak about it with you. Um, maybe we start with how are you in this time? <laughs> I'm pretty good. <laughs> yeah, good. Um, yeah, I want to start by. Talking about this film, which I mean unfortunately, people that are listening cannot see <laughs> cannot watch, but maybe you can yeah uh, direct people how they they can watch the film, but it's a film uh, done in a residency in in Kenya in Palestine um, and yeah, for me, like the starting point maybe of watching this is um Is, is an act of of visiting a place um, something uh, that touches me very much in this film um, maybe you can yeah kind of start this talking about this project or explaining this project through that kind of act of arriving to a foreign place and, and visiting it and being a guest there as a filmmaker So yeah, so this film, um, I shot uh, the images when I was in residency in Palestine in the summer 2019. And it was the second time um, that I was there. The first time um, was in the, in the winter in 2018. And I arrived there a bit um, by chance uh, through an encounter with an artist in Brussels. Um, and I happened to go there for three months uh, with a friend of mine, an artist, uh, Juliette Lemonnier. So we spent three months um, there in the first place, uh, assisting two artists. And at the end of the trip, we visited uh, this place called Sakya, uh, located in Ain Kenya, a few kilometers away from Ramallah. And um, so we met the people who uh, were slowly uh, constructing uh, this residency place at the cross point of art, um, agriculture and science. And they were at that moment renovating uh, the two houses which host the project. And they showed us around and they showed us uh, some objects that they found uh, on location during the renovations. So these objects 
which were um, like fragments of ceramics, of uh, spoon, of uh, cans, and many other artifacts um, were collected by them and they showed them to us. And these objects uh, were the starting point of my research. So it kind of resonated very strongly with subjects that I'm very, um, that my work is very busy with, which is how we, how we tell stories out of fragments and how um, we select fragments, how we forget others and how this articulation of the story is helping us to transmit some things and to um, not transmit others and how politically charged this uh, choice can be. And so I went back um, there for the residency, also for three months. And um, I started to spend a lot of time on this place and to look at the objects and to talk with the people involved in the project and the people who were um, family members of the people who owned um, the, the houses. And yeah, the process really unfolds uh, from that point. Mm. It's interesting that you, you speak about um you know, picking up ruins or parts of different layers of the strata of geological strata and of course also history. But then your choice to start with the frame, actually the film for me, uh, so I explain it shifts between different apparatuses and different frames, uh, Super 8, uh, where we see the, the perforation uh, as as it is scanned, you know, in a different so uh, super eight is four by three, and then scanned and uh, uh, sixteen by nine. Then you see the you see the holes, the perforations also uh, burned, um, but then also you have kind of panoramic images, still images that you took, and also you look through a, a looking glass uh, through a loop which is round. Because I'm also thinking about the frame as something that, you know, hides and something that shows at the same time. Um, how, how, like, these different apparatuses came to you? Did you choose them? Were they just there? Or, like, yeah, how did that happen? Um, so, I think first um, I started with photography. Um, when making images, I started to photograph the objects, the fragments of the objects that um, were found there. And um, in, the same, in the same moment, I was also experimenting uh, some chemical interaction between ink and heat. And so in the film we see, uh, so there is a narration unfolding, but this narration um, appears on the screen slowly, slowly with uh, the action of the um, sunlight being focused and letting appearing uh, one letter at a time, the text. And um, so I was doing this experimentation with the ink. So it's a, uh, yeah, erasable ink that reacts to heat 
And so I was doing this and I, I was, I first started with um, using a flame to do that. And then I thought, mm, I, I, I wish I can really involve more the elements, the direct elements of the landscape into uh, this uh, revelation process. So I thought, uh, I started to experiment with a magnifying glass to see if the um, sun, sun rays could produce enough heat in order to uh, erase the, the text. And so I had this object with me to, to try all of these. And uh, so in parallel, I was photographing the objects and I thought, mm, these objects are very small and it's a bit, you know, depending on the lens you use, uh, macro lens or not, it's, it's complicated to get uh, into the real details of it. And the magnifying glass was just there. So I just started to use it in order to look more closely into the details of the objects. So that's a bit how this process um, came. And so this was ver the very first, uh, uh, two first formats, let's say. So the text and uh, the photographs of the objects through the magnifying glass. And uh, the Super 8 came a bit later in the process. Um, also a bit by chance. Um, the the person I was uh, living with at that moment in Ramallah was uh, starting a project of collecting stuff in the flea markets around Palestine and selling them. Um, so he started this platform to sell these objects. He re repaired them and then sold them. And one of these objects was a Super 8 camera. So when I saw it in the apartment, I was like, oh, wow. And I'm, I'm very, um, I had worked with analog film before uh, with 16 millimeter for my previous film. And uh, I was, I, I am always very fond of uh, working with analog uh, also in photography from before. So I started to look for Super 8 films and finally, through a very complicated uh, story, managed to find them. And uh, I decided to use um, Super 8 to film the surroundings, the landscapes. And so all these elements came together. Uh, the panoramic photographs are also coming from uh, the um, camera operator who helps me to shoot the film. And he was doing some experiments um, in order to adapt uh, some uh, 2436 uh, film into a medium format camera to have this panoramic kind of cinescope uh, pictures. And so this came also uh, during, during the process. And I think behind this choice of um adding all these different formats and to have them also very obvious it's very clear uh, what is video what is super 8 what is still image there was um a desire to show 
the material, uh, the materiality of the image and to kind of put in the foreground the specific uh, qualities of this uh, of these devices that allow us to make images and somehow it's a bit uh, it's also a bit of a political choice in the way that um, when we see a film a classical film the camera um, tends to disappear so it's allows us to forget the presence of the camera and to see what is pictured as a reality. And um, having all these different formats uh, allowed to show that, in a sense, every image is a construction. And this was very important for me to, to kind of have this um, step back and to yeah, to 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 put in the foreground the the specific the, the qualities of each of these formats and to kind of induce a critical reflection on the image making itself. I wanted to speak about more about photography, but then what you say about the construction of the image throws me back to the first kind of idea of of being a guest in such a specific situation with such specific climate, maybe that's the connection because if you speak about the materiality of photography, of course we speak also about light, maybe in the foreground. I, I find this film so touching because it manages to expose the movement of arriving to a place, of like trying to get to know a place and try to make, to be creative in such a uh, place. So also maybe it's a good moment to, to also identify as Israeli. Um, it was very clear to me when I say in Kenya, I say it with a Hebrew accent. So I come from there and I'm complicit in the regime of occupation that you speak about in the film. Um, um, but I recognize uh, obviously the landscape, but I also um, recognize the scorching sun. And then I'm thinking about the different apparatuses and their use of light, uh, but mostly the apparatus of the loop and your choice to focus that light. Like there is this overwhelming feeling of arriving to such a saturated place and this choice of using the loop to kind of focus the sun in order to erase, but then, you know, show a text that you wrote. I can imagine you being with a discussion, having a dialogue with materials that you find with different, you know, layers and trying to pick up things. There's also the power of information that is given. An historical narrative or a narrative written is one of the tools to many times reduce the richness of history, of time, of memory. And did you feel like difficulty like to write a text there? Yes, very much. And um, for sure, like this writing was not very, not an easy process, but the whole process I think was not very easy. Um, and I think that's also maybe the reason why um, I wanted to make a film. Uh, 
is because I, I wanted to look closer and to like the process of making the film and all the questions that were uh, that rose uh, in this process um, allowed me to try to understand and to spend time with all these questions. And for me, the difficulty of my position, I think, was the very motivation of the film. Um, and this writing process was very uh, much informed by a lot of discussions that I had um, with uh, different people there. And um, somehow the process of this putting into words and into sentences and into a text, of shaping a text, was a way to digest um, all these narratives and to kind of filter it through my uh, subjectivity. Mm. Yeah, beautiful. It's really like a kind of a feeling of arriving, digesting. I mean, it's, it's yeah. kind of arriving is an ongoing process. And so is kind of, you know, your text in the film because it's there temporarily somehow. Um, yeah, maybe the film is more about forgetfulness or oblivion than remembering. Um, or maybe it's about, you know, the in entanglement of, the, of both. Like it's impossible to do one without the other somehow. I'm yeah, thinking... Exactly. That's very much the subject of, of the film and of many of, uh, of my works in general. And it's also quite interesting to look at it from the um, from like the way um, I worked with the text and the image uh, of the text. And um, what's maybe interesting to know uh, in that perspective is that the um, the process is filmed, and then it's shown backward. So basically, the action of the sun through the magnifying glass erases the text. And then, the, in the editing, I reverse all the shots so that it appears as if it's a writing with light and not an erasing with light. But in the very beginning, it's the opposite. And so this entanglement of um, these two notions of forgetting and remembering is very much also present in the material process itself. And um, yeah, so, so it's very, it's a, it's a specific anchor point, I think, of the, both of the process and the subject of the film. Yeah. If we talk about different, I don't know, mechanisms of, you know forgetfulness and remembering mechanisms that are you know could be very violent could have a political agenda could be very organic thinking of how a bark is kind of renewing itself but also this you know mechanism of the of the reverse i think something about reversing that shot is really you know putting forgetfulness and remembering uh, at the same kind of plane and this i find 
really a precious gesture. Um, I wanted to ask you about the sound, because if we speak about mechanism, there is something about the sound that really feels like the machine of whatever it is that we're doing there uh, with you uh, in Palestine. It feels like you managed to kind of create a sound of what this machine would be. Talk about the sound of it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, uh, it's actually funny because um, when, when you first uh, saw a step of the, of the film uh, some month ago, um, you saw it without the sound. And um, and I remember we were watching it um, on my laptop, which is the same that I'm using today. So maybe you can also hear it now, which has a little issue. Uh, <laughs> there's the <laughs> problem with the ventilation of the laptop, which whenever the laptop heats up a bit too much, it gets very, very noisy. And then it stops whenever it's cool enough and it starts again. And this happened during the, the moment when we watched this um, first step of editing together. And we had a discussion about this sound, about like, I was wondering because I did the whole editing without any sound. So I edited completely silent in the first place. And um, I had a lot of questions about what kind of layer this sound could bring and, and what should it tell. And um, in the end, I recorded that uh, dysfunctional sound. Um, and then I was, um, I remember I was uh, writing an email to Sylvie Bouteillet, who did the soundtrack. And um, I had this, uh, this sound and I had some field recordings that we did there during the residency. And I remember I was looking for a nice uh, subject line for the email and um, I spent like maybe an hour to choose the subject line, the few words that I would put in the, in the subject line. And I thought, mm, what is it that I, that I want from her? What is it that I want her to find? And um, I was thinking about memory, about forgetting, about many things. And then I thought, mm, what I actually want is the, the, the sound or the noise of the sun. And so I started to look it up online and to, I don't know, I just typed um, the sound of the sun. Uh, um, and I found a recording from the NASA which um, so they kind of managed to translate uh, vibrations and waves into uh, hearable sounds for humans. Uh, and so they kind of posted this, they have a sound cloud with a lot of uh, different library of sound of the outer space. And there was the sound of the sun and, and I listened to it and it was amazing. And I, I remember I was, fascinated with this with the sound and so it was it became another ingredient that I added to my kind of sound library for the film and she uh, composed the soundtrack from these ingredients adding that uh, she's working a lot with uh, microphones and contact microphones and chemical reaction on the microphone and there was something I found very 
very beautiful and also um, very, very like similar to what I was doing with the images. Because like I was putting a lens in front of a lens and she was recording the sound of the microphone itself and the sound of the materiality of different objects. And um, yeah, so that was a bit an amazing um, discovery or uh, encounter, let's say, um, with her, uh, with the sound. And, and so she, she composed this uh, soundtrack from all these ingredients and from her own um, practice. And mm. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's a really beautiful sound. And, and going back a bit, like making maybe a full circle how the act of you know holding a camera there felt like um yeah i think there's different interesting aspects of this position of holding a camera and of making images um, there and it's perceived in very different ways um well first of all my camera was never pointed at anyone so this is already a very uh, important um, aspect of it. Uh, it was very important for me not to do it and not to be uh, in the position, yeah, not to put myself in this, uh, in this position of um, shooting someone in a way. And it's the same word we use for, for, for filming and for uh, guns, but maybe not for <laughs> no reason. And um, there's, yeah, I think there's different layers. I think like um, somehow me making a film there for Palestinians was something that uh, they were, mostly people were quite happy about. Um, it's, it's not a very disturbing presence as it can be in in other places um yeah in the contrary it was quite welcomed uh, that i was interested in telling a story about this place and um people were pretty grateful actually and uh the moment when it became a bit more complicated was uh, when i had to fly back to Belgium, because then I had to go through the Israeli custom and the airport, which was another uh, kind of encounter. And um, so I had to hide everything I shot. I had to, I emptied all my computer, I emptied my hard drives. Uh, I had to have the film reels uh, traveling with uh, somebody else. Um, and uh, I had to have the digital footage being sent on SD cards uh, through post mail um, because I was supposed to lie to um, in the airport. I was not uh, um, very honest about my activity uh, there, and um, so any kind of proof of uh, me being a filmmaker and making a film in Palestine uh, had to be hidden. Yeah, it just made me think that the first time I watched it, I actually thought about 
this you know secret language um that kids use like it's like a game of children i don't know how it is used maybe you know with lemon maybe mm-hmm. how is it with what material yeah it's with lemon juice uh-huh. so you write uh with uh lemon juice and then it's not visible until it's heated so it's the same uh-huh. kind of uh process but backward but the other way around yeah yeah I used to do this when I was a kid. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, because there is an, an element of like, you know, that kind of um, uh, literally raising that is also uh, playful or not to say childish, but playful in a sense that also has a specific um, irony to it. Sometimes when people think about this conflict as... complex it in fact yes. it's rather simple yeah exactly uh, it is yeah, that's something simple. i i heard a lot when i was in school and you know like ah no israeli and palestinian conflict is too complicated i'm not going to explain it and you're like okay it seems like really really like tough piece of cake and um i don't know why there's this um uh, kind of argument that is uh, put forward when actually when you look at it a bit more closely it's not that complicated for sure mm-hmm. no no i really agree and i think that gesture that child like you know play mm-hmm. is very important for that as well so it's like yeah as it, as as simple as it is and um meaningful as it is as well so mm-hmm. I know you were struggling how to give a historical context, how to use information in the film. And I was uh, kind of, it was a nice surprise to not find any information and actually find a statement in the end, maybe instead, um, that this film is dedicated to every person using art and culture to resist colonial occupation and imperialism. Maybe you can say something about that decision. It was something I was very much struggling with and yeah. uh, I had to ask many different people their opinion to make up my mind about it. And um, yeah, in the end, I thought that having this like external uh, pseudo-objective list of facts as I tried at some point to have a few dates and um, was just not fitting with the format of the film and um, I was actually I think the, the reason maybe I was trying to put it at some point was because I was afraid people wouldn't uh, understand and I think in reality in the end it's maybe more more powerful without it and um, that the only thing I wanted I really really wanted to um, to to tell um, was this gratefulness for the people who made the film with me um, and um, to 
also put lights on um, this engagement uh, that uh, we can have as artists, uh, as curators, as writers, and to, yeah, pay a tribute to, 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 to that kind of gestures was maybe in the end enough mm. to 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 fight things you you believe in also and uh to fight for the things you believe in and it's i think that's also something that could not have been triggered by um the historical context uh, that i kind of tried to to include at some point I think this empowerment would have never happened. You know, on the, on the contrary, it would have been like, oh, fuck, this is really shit. <laughs> and that's not the point. The point is not to say, look how complicated or look how violent. The point is to say, well, we have an influence and in making uh, stories and telling um, stories is... An engagement is a struggle, is part of something that can actually have a positive uh, impact on the things we criticize. Uh, I mean, we are all kind of also shaped by, um, you know, the systems we grow up in. And, you know, it's, of course, yeah. like, speaking of Palestine, it's not easy to say that you're Israeli, but being French is not so easy either when you look at the colonial history and imperialism that was like yeah. that completely destroyed half of the planet you know it's um yeah, um, yeah of course yeah. yeah to reclaim these our positions is really like it comes through accountability but it's yeah it's a work that is clear that everyone should do now yeah to deconstruct and it's a complicated process it's very hard but yeah, also ongoing. Yeah. It's not that you arrive to a place. Just continue. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think that's also maybe something I wish I, I don't know, like if I had to make the film again or if I had to make another one um, on the same subject or location, I think I would maybe go um, more backward. And uh, because it's, of course, the conflict with um, Israel is uh, very present now, but it has also been uh, implemented by uh, Europeans, by the French and the British, and how they split uh, the Middle East and they divided the land and they thought, okay, this is mine and this is yours, and this whole region was completely um yeah shaped and all the history behind like that followed was completely influenced by imperialism from europe and that's something i i, I wish i was maybe more um working on or something that i maybe in the future would be more interested in investigating and put into light yeah yeah it's there is this book of Ariela Azulay, the new book of her that I think is really interesting to read. It's called Potential History, History. Yeah. and Learning Imperialism. Yeah, I have it as well. <laughs> <laughs> I good. still haven't really, really, really worked on it. No, it's a bit intimidating, the size of it. Yeah. Uh, 
maybe if we yeah we put it under the pillow and it go in in our ear in the mid during the night but yeah. like yeah she speaks of different apparatuses of filming mm-hmm. of making photography as part of the imperialistic uh, mm-hmm. machine like the shutter and yeah anyways but yeah <laughs> we should read it before we speak about it yeah. um thinking about walter benjamin and I mean, you speak about the ruins, but also like, you know, how to, you pick up things, but then they are kind of horizontally placed. Also like this idea of is history is a movement to the past and the future simultaneously somehow. Like in your films, like this, you know, searching backwards and, and forward at the same time somehow. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's important to, yeah to find complexity also, because that's something that's very much uh, made by historical um, stories or tales to simplify, to say, okay, this is the good and this is the bad, and this is the mean guy and this is the good guy. I mean, in, in, in a sense, we are just like people in systems, in be- like uh, stuck in some systems. And it's uh, very, very important to deconstruct this and to also see different kinds of relations and to look at it through different lenses and um, yeah historical but also economical and um, it's yeah I think quite tricky but very it's a bit touchy like very touchy subjects because whenever you you start to say well it's not really good guy and bad guy then it it feels as if you're defending uh the bad guys but it's actually not that it's more like seeing how complex relations can be and interdependency and how people also uh, benefit from it on both sides and um it's a very tricky tricky process i wonder is there a place where people can watch the film um they can see it in dubai in january okay um so it's gonna be shown uh in the frame of this uh, festival called real palestine and it's gonna be shown as uh, an installation Actually, mm. it's the first time it's going to be shown as a loop uh, in a in a gallery space, and then for the next screenings, for now that's it. But I hope there will be uh, more. It's a bit hard uh, now to organize screenings. And yeah, it was it was shown in Fid Marseille. Yeah, uh, it premiered they... in Fid Marseille. Uh, yeah, then it was shown in Boston for a festival in Buenos Aires and in Ramallah uh, in October during the Palestine Cinema Days. And yeah, hopefully it's going to be shown in Ein Kenya uh, in the spring um, as a real installation that time. And I uh, hope this will happen. How do you think about it as an installation? I'm thinking of uh, showing the um, erased text. Because I still have all the text that I shot uh, after the erasure. And they're very beautiful in a way because you can still 
see that something is written and under certain angles of light you can actually read um, and so I'm thinking about an installation in which the film would be there and also these papers would be there and um, maybe some objects I don't know uh, that's something I'm, I'm really eager to 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 explore um, in an experimental way and I think I have yeah this is a work that has to be done also on the spot depending on where um, exactly it's gonna be shown yeah. and because there's different places where it could happen it could be outside it could be inside there's also a shrine just under uh, the kaikab tree and it's a very beautiful stone building um, a bit underground um, so yeah this will very much depend uh, on the precise location i guess where it's going to be installed so yeah thanks so much for this conversation for the film and making it making us believe that through you know working with moving image we can actually respond or comment on quote-unquote complicated issues <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thank you so much for the conversation and it's a pleasure you too Milena yes for more information about Milena's work, The Sun and the Looking Glass, for one easily forgets but the tree remembers, you can find information in the text for this podcast and watch the trailer. You can also find it in Argos Library in Brussels. Argos is archiving the work and distributing it. I hope you enjoyed. Have a good day. Listening to Radio Level 5.